Welcome to Accelerating Government with ACT-IAC on Federal News Network. Now your host, Dave Winogren. Welcome to the show that brings together government and industry leaders to accelerate government mission outcomes. On today's episode, we'll be covering cybersecurity and digital transformation. Our first guest today is Brian McKellia, cyber strategist at Periton and the industry project leader for the recently released ACT-IAC Supplier Cybersecurity Compliance Playbook. Welcome to the show, Brian. Thank you. It's great to be here. Let's start with a little introduction. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your role at Periton, what you're working on, and some of the company initiatives that you're excited about? Certainly. So my, my role at, uh, at Periton is really to be thinking about uh, where the industry is going, to think about where we need to place our uh, strategic investments and focus our research and development on, for the, uh, in, with, particularly within the cybersecurity realm. Um, and then also to support uh, some of our major uh, opportunities that we have in the marketplace and, and help solution those, uh, those opportunities. So that's the, the, the main areas uh, that I focus most of my time on. Uh, the things that I uh, typically you know, see is certainly the interest um, in being able to identify you know, things such as uh, cybersecurity, staffing, and zero trust and um, you know, the, the multi-factor authentication strategies and, uh, you know, cyber uh, uh, information sharing, threat intelligence, uh, you know, those those types of general um, cybersecurity topics and, that are, you know, top of mind. And I know probably we'll talk about some of those today um, for our, uh, our, our government uh, colleagues. It is certainly a, a national imperative, as it were, so there's no shortage of topics to be working on, that's for sure. In addition to your day job, you also play a leadership role on the ACT-IAC cybersecurity community of interest, where most recently you were the industry project leader for the ACT-IAC supplier cybersecurity compliance playbook. Before we get into the content of the report, let's start by giving our audience of government and industry technology market leaders a basic understanding of the primary cyber compliance regimes that they need to be familiar with? Sure. And uh, I, I think for both government and industry, it's very much dependent on the type of data that you're handling uh, and also the agency-specific agency requirements. I, I can think of just probably off the top of my head, 25 different frameworks that cover everything from how you protect health information to financial data, to Department of Defense data, IRS data, classified data, et cetera. So uh, really to start out with, I just kind of say it's the data that's almost your guide is to start, uh, you know, from the framework that you would uh, select. And then um, the, uh, for, certainly for industry, you know, ensuring that uh, the agency requirements that are set up that you follow that. But having said all of that, there are some common government and uh, industry frameworks, and we highlighted five of those in the uh, contractor cybersecurity compliance playbook that you uh, highlighted. And the, the, the first was the NIST 853 uh, Rev 5, which was really just created with the intent of providing government agencies effective cybersecurity practices. And, and so it was really more for the government agency side of things. And then um, the NIST also had the 800-171, which is a subset of controls for those 853, which laid out requirements for private sector for uh, controlled unclassified information. 
Um, CMMC, you might have heard of that, the Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification, which is for DOD programs and how the, dense, the defense industrial-based contractors need to be able to hold or use sensitive government data and the requirements for that. Um, Federal Financial Institutions Examination Council, or FFIEC, uh, was another standard that we uh, addressed, which kind of laid out the, the, those standards, if you will, for financial institutions. And, and the last one that we uh, that I, I think is, is, is important to kind of highlight in this segment is the ISO 27001. When you think of just the ISO 27000 family, there's over a dozen different standards that are covered within that, but the 27001 is kind of your international standard for information security management systems and the requirements for uh, entities to, you know, put in place uh, ways in which they can detect threats that impact their information systems. So, uh, if you think about it, the NIST standards were, are really about information systems evaluation, and CMMC and the ISO is more about organizational evaluation, so it's a little bit broader in its, uh, in its implications. So uh, lots of frameworks out there. You probably heard uh, as, as an audience uh, many of those from FedRAMP to NIST uh, cybersecurity framework to NIST risk management framework, HIPAA, high trust. Uh, on and on and on. So uh, there's, you just have to go back to what the data is that you are handling and the agency requirements. Yeah, I, I, there is so much out there. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so excited about the report, because it really does bring together all these different source materials into a handy dandy reference guide that allows you to figure out where are you and where do you fit. And, and, and that's just something I think that's really needed. And I do appreciate you helping make the distinction between the sort of intent of NIST guidance versus CMMC program and ISO standards that I think that's sort of really helpful too. So let's talk a little bit more about the report. So let's, you know, what was the goal as you set out to write the report and tell us a little bit more about some of the contents of the report. I, I would start maybe just backing up a little bit, just some context for the playbook and, and, and why it's important, if you will. And, you know, when you think of the federal government, there's such a vast threat surface that uh, nation states and terrorist organizations and criminal groups and malicious insiders and others can uh, are certainly looking all the time to exploit. And obviously, understandably, then the government has to be extremely vigilant in laying out its requirements to protect that sprawling threat surface, if you will. Uh, and so, you know, and the more I think about that kind of threat surface, it becomes further expanded due to the number of contractors and subcontractors who provide all these products and services to ensure that the government missions are accomplished. That whole supply chain must be secure and vendors must be you know, compliant to, to be able to meet those security frameworks and particularly those that the agency dictates. And so, you know, I talked about already the five that were, were, were hit uh, upon in this uh, uh, cybersecurity compliance playbook, but um, you know, it's the the why. You know, so when I when I think about it, what's what's in it for me, if you will, from a, a contractor standpoint. Obviously, the first and foremost is uh, you have to meet those standards if you want to do uh, business with the uh, with the federal government. But I think there's some residual benefit too that as you, you know, in order to protect the government's networks, its systems, its data. Uh, increasing the, your, your security hygiene within your organization reduces your own risk. 
uh, and I think also it kind of enhances your uh, your your inherent value, uh, and 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 I think that's a residual benefit to individuals who are looking to move down the the path of uh, doing business with the federal government. So that sort of sets up a context that sprawling surface uh, attack surface. And the uh, the compliance playbook, and what did we really set out to do? We we had a team of forty four members uh, across industry and government and academia that uh, ACT IAC uh, Security Community of Interest pulled together, and uh, you know I had the uh, honor of leading that group, where those members shared openly their insights best practices that they saw within each of these models, special considerations that uh, exist and hope that the compliance journey can be easier to maneuver. Um, Conversely, even from the government perspective, it was our hope that the guide could be a vehicle to add more value to their new and uh, already established compliance frameworks. Uh, The guide really highlighted also some innovation opportunities and speaks to means in which the government and vendors can enhance uh, their compliance requirements in an accelerated fashion. By doing that, you know, it just allows them to further protect the data of the American citizenry, and I just see that as a uh, a win-win proposition. So that's what we really kind of set out to do, those four main uh, objectives. So um, if you were going to leave the audience with some takeaways from the report to both uh, help move us all in the right direction, but also to pique their interest to go dig into it a little deeper, what might be some of those takeaways? Sure. I guess for, from an industry standpoint, uh, you know, if you're meeting these cybersecurity requirements can often, especially for small businesses, I would say more than medium and large businesses, but uh, it can be daunting and expensive if you're uh, uh, performing redundant tasks and, and don't have the necessary automation and things. So this playbook is intended to be a support element for both government and business to kind of share experiences from uh, industry experts and government experts and uh, academicians, and really hopefully provide clarity on the effective and efficient manner in which you can achieve compliance. So I guess that's the top level takeaway, if you will. It also suggests an agile methodology as a compliance implementation method, um, and then following that with innovation and automation to kind of expedite implementation. So on the Agile side, ways in which you can add security acceptance criteria to your user stories, use Agile retrospectives, proof of compliance via your uh, most valuable uh, uh, products, et cetera. So um, that uh, Agile methodology for implementation, moving towards uh, automation more and more from a compliance uh, evidence perspective, and and I, I use this word compliance a lot, but although we speak of compliance in the guide, we take a, a deeper emphasis moving past compliance and that checklist of requirements that you have and for agencies and businesses to kind of design security into their culture, processes and practices, again, following that, uh, that agile methodology. And a, a sort of a final point from the takeaway is that the playbook is a point in time. Uh, and even now, many of the frameworks continue to evolve, like we see with CMMC. Uh, so we need to continuously update the document going forward. And it was why we pointed to um, 
helpful resource links under each one of the frameworks. They're kind of the definitive sources, if you will, for each framework. And and we certainly want people to go to those uh, helpful resource links to, to make sure they're getting the latest information. But we want to work with ACT-IACT on a means to continuously keep this document updated and to hear back from our, our users about things that they would like to see so that we can continue to uh, provide a, a value-added proposition as we, as, as we continue to update this document. Moving past compliance to design security into culture and practices seems like the perfect place to leave this conversation. Brian McElyer is cyber strategist at Periton and also the industry project leader for the recently released ActIX Supplier Cybersecurity Compliance Playbook. You can find the playbook on both the Federal News Network and ActIAC websites. Brian, thank you for your outstanding leadership, for the hard work, and for joining us today. We're going to take a short break now. And when we return, we'll be talking with digital transformation experts Cindy Good and Todd Hager. I'm Dave Wendergren, and you're listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ActIAC on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Accelerating Government with ACT-IAC. I'm Dave Wendergren, and next up on today's episode, we're going to be discussing digital transformation efforts in government. I'm delighted to be joined by Cindy Good, Acting Director of the Office of Financial Innovation and Transformation at the Bureau of the Fiscal Service and the Government Chair for the 2023 Digital Transformation Summit. Welcome to the show, Cindy. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Great to have you on the show. We are also joined by Todd Hager, Vice President in Macro Solutions and the Industry Chair for the Digital Transformation Summit. Welcome back to the show, Todd. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Good to be back. Cindy, let's go start with you for a minute. It's great to have you on the show, and we thank you for your leadership on the Digital Transformation Summit and many of the other things that you're doing with ACTIAC that we'll get a chance to talk about during the show. But let's start with a little background on you. Tell us about your role at Treasury and some of the things you and your organization are working on. Great. So the Office of the Financial Innovation and Transformation, our purpose is really all about seeing where we can identify opportunities that have the potential to create continuous value for the Bureau and our customers. And we're approaching this in four ways. The first uh, really being the most important, which is driving a culture of innovation and problem solving at all levels. Our people are our most important assets, so we've been working on how we can empower them to apply a forward-looking, innovative mindset, enabling them to be creative, to take risks and experiments, and then ultimately also educating and developing them to become a future-ready workforce. The second is really about how we're now internally building enterprise-wide innovation capabilities to fully drive that engine from going from an idea all the way to impact. The third, which we're historically known for, is researching and experimenting with emerging capabilities and marketplace solutions. In this space, we've explored technologies like artificial intelligence and blockchain. And then the fourth really is all about our partnerships and how we leverage those to harness the knowledge, the capabilities, and resources of our external partners to support innovation outcomes. Innovation is such an important topic. And uh, I'm just wondering, like, some, what, what are a couple of like, little sound bites about what have you learned about the challenge of bringing innovation to government through this work? I would say a challenge um, and an opportunity that um, we've experienced and that you, is probably echoed across all agencies uh, is the people aspect, 
one along the lines of buy-in and then the other one along the lines of capability. Um, this is why you're seeing when I kind of talked about what FIT does, like we're putting the people first in terms of trying to drive that culture. Um, I think it's very important that we need to empower our workforce by upskilling and reskilling. Those should be central and that should be the first step in any innovation and transformation. Yeah, it's uh, the, the people challenge of change is always with us. And so, uh, Todd, you're no stranger to the show, but for new folks that are tuning in, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about your role at Macro Solutions and what are some sure. of the things that you and the company are working on that you're excited about? <laughs> Sounds good, Dave. Um, yeah, uh, so within Macro Solutions, we're uh, a woman-owned business and uh, been around for about 22 years. And the through line for us has really been through uh, ERP, think financial management, human capital management, those kinds of things. Uh, but in the past, you know, five to 10 years, it's really been kind of all the stuff around that, uh, those enterprise solutions, you know, think things like, you know, applying intelligent automation and, you know, AI and some of the RPA tooling and those kinds of things, data analytics and so forth. What we've also brought to uh, uh, to our engagements are things are, are you know taking an agile approach and even incorporating DevOps and those kinds of things to be able to push things out into production safely and securely. Uh, so it's been an interesting journey, I have to admit, and it's um, you know it's brought us to a lot of a variety of uh, uh, different types of agencies looking to get those kinds of things in place for their enterprise systems. Um, but in addition to that, as you all know, I'm also the industry chair for the Emerging Technology Community of Interest, and we've done a lot of uh, interesting work in that space to drive some of the conversations in those same areas uh, by creating real working groups. Really, that's where the work is all getting done. Um, and so we have the AI working group with the blockchain working group, uh, intelligent automation. Uh, uh, we've got DevOps, uh, IoT and smart cities. And we just recently launched our quantum knowledge group. And those guys are really hitting it hard right now, too. So um, it's uh, it's great to have those kinds of conversations. It's really nice to have a community of folks uh, who have interest in that. And uh, Cindy joins me in a lot of that, too, helping to drive the programs uh, because we're we're bringing that to the agencies, too. So we uh, we're, we have uh, half and full day emerging tech days that we bring to the agencies. It's really intended to be closed to those agencies, uh, you know, for so they can have candid conversations among themselves, acquisition, et cetera, and really think through how they could incorporate some of those emerging technologies within their organizations. I know one of the AI initiatives that you're excited about is the VA's use of AI to enhance diagnoses in hospital settings. You want to maybe say a few words about that? Yeah, we're really looking forward to that. We're going to see a demo of that in the uh, Digital Transformation Summit coming up on the 22nd. Um, so, and it's a and it's a really great um, use case because, like you described, uh, you know, AI can be used in a variety of things, but we all understand what it's like to go to the doctor and you know have people looking at you know in this example looking at your skin to see if you've had any uh, growths or anything to be concerned about. Well, imagine applying AI to that and helping to diagnose those kinds of things quickly and accurately uh, every time. So we're going to see a demo about that. And I'm, I'm real excited just personally to be able to see it as well, too. So Very good. We're going to talk more about the summit as we go through this conversation. Digital transformation is a top tech issue in the federal market from the 21st Century Idea Act to the federal IT operating plan. We see the call out on digital everywhere. Cindy, let's start with you. What are some of the imperatives for digital solutions that agencies need to be aware of and focused on? 
I'd first start off with just understanding, like, in terms of what's going on, you know, we first start looking at the several executive orders, including the cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, customer experience, EOs. They're all really setting the priorities for the types of transformation happening in government. To me, the types that I'm seeing around government uh, really is about answering the following questions, which is what business processes are optimal? Where can the agency take advantage of new technologies to achieve effectiveness or efficiencies, especially if you have a lot of legacy IT or tech debt? And then how can the agency best serve American citizens? A couple of um, examples around these, of which I'm extracting excerpts from a mini podcast and blog series called How Government Built This, which we did in partnership with ACT IACT, where we interviewed six leaders in government who are currently undergoing digital transformations. We talked to USDA, whom identified their digital transformation revolved all around data. The statistics mentioned in that interview was how today organizations use two or three percent of their data, while the rest is not mined or assessed. So their journey has really been around ensuring data is accessible, data can be processed, and then deriving insights from it. From the Department of Treasury and Bureau of Fiscal Service, their digital transformations were around ensuring the security and modern delivery of services to customers, uh, given especially the ever-changing landscape. The enabling technology or frameworks behind that have been cloud adoption efforts, transforming the enterprise architecture and the processes that support it, and then also adopting DevSecOps and an enterprise API strategy. Similarly, DHS is also, you know, doing the same thing around understanding emerging technologies, applying proper governance and oversight, sharing best practices, and then also building communities of practice around agile DevOps and cloud practices. I would be remiss without talking about the customer. Um, I feel like at the end of the day, digital transformation is really about uh, the people the people who consume the data, the product or service of a transformation are just as important as the people who create it, uh, right? So meaning like if a new tool or process adds too many extra steps for that end user, then organizations face several challenges in adoption, no matter how great the output may be. So I will say another thing is we definitely need to continue to keep our customers in the loop uh, via human-centered design or, you know, any of the other frameworks like that. Very good. The How Government Built This series is something I'm delighted about, a partnership between Treasury Department and ACT-IAC. You can hear more by checking out The Buzz, the ACT-IAC podcast, and look for the How Government Built This episodes. We're going to take a short break now, and when we return, we'll continue our conversation with Cindy Good, Acting Director of the Office of Financial Innovation and Transformation, and Todd Hager, Vice President of Macro Solutions. I'm Dave Wendergren, and you're listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ACT-IAC on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Accelerating Government with ACT-IAC. I'm Dave Wenergren, and we're discussing the digital transformation imperative today. Our guests are Cindy Good, Acting Director of the Office of Financial Innovation and Transformation at the Bureau of the Fiscal Service, and Todd Hager, Vice President of Macro Solutions and the Industry Chair for the ACT-IAC Emerging Technology Community of Interest. As we were going to break, we were talking a little bit about the digital imperative, if you will, for government that goes from statutes yeah. on down through executive orders on down to OMB operating plans. And so, Todd, let's turn to you for a minute and say, this seems like an issue that's been with us for a long time. 
And what are some of the things that distinguish the digital efforts of today from, I'll say, technology solutions of the past when we talked about automating manual processes? I think that to get right down to brass tacks, it's much more ubiquitous and much more um, usable than I think it's ever been in the past. And so as a result, I think that m makes uh, many agencies really anxious to try to bring some of these things in. Uh, now that said, it isn't, you know, for the faint of heart, of course, and we want to be sure that folks, you know, can understand those use cases well and uh, get the right, uh, you know, cross connects in there to make sure that they've got, uh, that they can move forward uh, appropriately. What I do find too, is that it, you know, it can't take the place of, you know, good, sort of service forward delivery uh, within within those those IT shops. Um, and so we spend a lot of time helping folks, uh, you know, to, to bring those kinds of traits into the organization as well, too. In other words, it can't all be the machines. It's still about people, too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Cindy, let's ask you from your perch as an innovation leader inside of government, what are some of the challenges that federal agencies face in making progress on this digital imperative? I think uh, there's there's a couple of things. I think we, we one, as an agency, need to look at where our maturity is around a d digital transformation roadmap. Um, you know, Treasury, Bureau of Fiscal Service, I'm sure as other agencies are um, very, you know, known for working in silos. So seeing how we can truly collaborate and come together um, to start a digital transformation, I think, is another key imperative. And then the buy-in, ensuring that you have buy-in from the top and the bottom so that they all understand and aware of the progress and the outcomes that you're looking for. Todd, how about you? You've been you've been toiling in this vineyard for a while now. What what are some of the challenges that you run across? Oh gosh, where do we begin, Dave? Um, <laughs> sometimes there's also a need to overcome some of the risk aversion that people have with these kinds of things. Um, you know, there's uh, you know some of the, sometimes there's some fear that goes into uh, these, into taking on some of these new technologies and uh, incorporating them uh, within the organization. The other thing that's really important too is that, that you have to recognize that that fear oftentimes permeates the organizations themselves. And you don't wanna leave folks behind because so often we talk about technology taking the place of, of folks' work or doing uh, things that humans can do and so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, the humans are still critically important there. And more, you know, as part of that, those humans need to be trained and, and understand and be incorporated into the uh, into the process as we go forward, because at the end of the day, the machines should be doing the things that allow the humans to do the really more critical thinking, the more important work out there. So I I would argue that that we just don't forget the humans in the process and let's make sure that we we elevate them too along the way and make sure that they're a part of um, and that we can take advantage of really uh, you know, the freeing of many of those resources as we go forward. Uh, it just can't foot stomp enough your point about moving from a culture of risk aversion to risk management. And it, <laughs> it covers every topic from our first segment of the show about cybersecurity to this part of the show where we're talking about the adoption of new approaches and new tools and techniques and new digital solutions. And, and, and you know, it's a, it, we don't often reward people for taking 
chances. And and yet so much of the prize of what we can get out of these new solutions is the willingness to try something different. And so I, I appreciate you both bringing that up. Well, following up with you, Todd, I'll, I'll just say times of challenge can indeed be times of opportunity. So moving from challenges, where do you think are some prime opportunities to accelerate digital transformation efforts in government? Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, it's we talk a lot about this intelligent solutions or intelligent automation and those kinds of things. It doesn't take much to really help accelerate some of those uh, those kinds of activity, activities. And getting back to what I was talking about before, um, you can bring those those kinds of tools in relatively easily um, and and help to displace some of the routine, mundane, you know, kinds of uh, activities that that we all know happen in government. Um, and, uh, you know, and really start taking advantage of those things quickly. It, it isn't like the old days where, and, and I know, Dave, you know this, we've, we've you know, been in this, this space for a long, long time. You know, it wasn't uncommon for a system to take two to three years to be implemented. Uh, and then you've got maybe a five-year window of, uh, you know, making sure all the pieces are in place and everything's working and all this fun stuff. That's, that's just no longer acceptable. And, you know, we have to be comfortable with the fact that these things are coming in fairly quickly. I mean, the ATO is notwithstanding uh, that things come in and they're able to be put to, uh, you know, put to use quickly. Um, so, again, I, I'm kind of getting batting around the edges here. But I think that, you know, that there are ways for agencies to take advantage very quickly with some intelligent automation and some very light AI tooling that would help improve their operations relatively quickly and safely. And and those small steps can help generate confidence then in taking the bigger steps. I, I, th- I think you're right. I think there's like, you know, everything from the simplicity of using some bots to automate routinized processes. They help show that this works and helps build confidence. And, and I appreciate you pointing out also the agile part too, because not only does Agile keep us closer to the customer and deliver things in more bite-sized increments more rapidly, but it also helps get things in place so that it's harder to go back to the way it was and you have to keep moving forward. C- Cindy, how about you? You, What are your thoughts about opportunities to either leverage successes or expand digital efforts in government? I'd say first and foremost, um, oftentimes, you know, we tend to look at that shiny object And I think the most important is just answering the question, what is the problem that we're trying to solve? And that can go a long way in terms of um, what approach to take, what you need to transform and the outcomes for your organization. Yeah, I I really appreciate your saying the shiny object syndrome part of this. You know, we've talked on the show past episodes about the Simon Sinek book starts with why. And and we often get so excited about the new technology solution and and the shiny objectness of it that we don't focus on what's the mission outcome that's going to be accomplished and how is this technology going to leverage that better outcome. And, And depending on which path you go makes all the difference in terms of whether or not you'll be able to bring the risk averse people with you or you're going to end up slowing down progress and implementation. So those are all great points. We are going to take a short break now. And when we return, we're going to continue our conversation. Cindy Good is the Acting Director of the Office of Financial Innovation and Transformation at the Bureau of the Fiscal Service. Todd Hager is the Vice President of Macro Solutions. Both are outstanding digital transformation champions and the chairs for the upcoming Digital Transformation Summit, which we will talk more about after we take a short break. I'm Dave Wenergren, and you're listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ACT-IAC on Federal News Network.
Welcome back. You're listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ACT-IAC on Federal News Network. I'm Dave Wintergren, and we're talking with digital transformation expert Cindy Good, the acting director of the Office of Financial Innovation and Transformation at the Bureau of the Fiscal Service, and the government chair for the 2023 Digital Transformation Summit. We're also joined by Todd Hager, vice president in Macro Solutions, industry chair of the community of interest that focuses on emerging technology, and the industry chair for the Digital Transformation Summit. So speaking of that Digital Transformation Summit, I'd like to thank you both again for the leadership roles that you've taken on to put the summit together. It's a summit that ACT-IAC and Meritalk are co-sponsoring and will be take place on uh, February 22nd in Reston, Virginia. Cindy, let's start with you. Why is this an important event and what are some of the things that you're looking forward to at the summit? Well, I'd say this conference and these types of conferences are a way to keep the peripheral view in terms of what's happening around me. And the other thing that I'd like to say is we're not alone, right? We all have our strengths. We all have our weaknesses. But by coming together in conferences like these, particularly around shared goals, there's an opportunity where we can learn and help develop a more robust network that improves our capabilities and better serves all of our customers and end users. I'm specifically looking forward to the session that our chief data officer, Justin Marsico, will be speaking on in the afternoon, which is called The Importance of Data in Digital Transformation. Uh, we have and are doing a lot of work in increasing the value, availability, and quality of our data for decision-making and insights. So I'm selfishly going to root for that. Very good. Very good. How about you, Todd, as the industry chair? What are some of the things you're looking forward to at the summit? Well, I like this summit because it's uh, unlike other emerging tech um, uh, conferences that, that we put out there. This one is very much here and now. You know, it's really about the technology that's out there right now, getting those conversations, like Cindy was saying, uh, getting those conversations going so that you can make uh, those connections to, to help bring technology into your organizations that you need now. I, I You know, I think that, um, you know, if nothing else, that would be the one thing I hope that most folks get out of out of this conference. Um, another thing that I'm looking to, uh, I'm actually uh, going to be moderating a panel where we're talking about um, remote and hybrid work enablement and uh, what that means for government and for business, frankly. Um, and to talk about those ideas, those, trans- you know, that have had transformative impact on the way that we work. I mean, we, you know, it's like the world has shifted in the past three years. And, uh, you know, so what are we doing about that? And uh, we've got a, a handful of really good speakers, I think, that'll help us to understand what they've done, what they see and what they see coming. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I, me too. There, you know, it seems like digital transformation is just so crucial as a topic within itself, but also because of how it touches so many other things that are ongoing priorities for the federal market. And and Todd, you mentioned the the I'll say the issue of resiliency and and the pandemic, how the pandemic changed things. And maybe I could just ask you to elaborate a little bit about what were some lessons learned on the digital front that we've seen coming out of the pandemic in the last few years. Yeah, it's a good a good point, and not all of it's technology, right? I mean, we we've all become used to these uh, types of hybrid meetings, or even just you know completely remote meetings with a variety of tools that are available to us now. Uh, but it's more than that, right? It's and, and I'll get back to what we had talked about earlier, which is it's really about the people and figuring out how we can enable our folks to be productive, to be 
uh, engaged. And, you know, how do we handle the kinds of things that in the old days we took for granted around the water cooler, you know, coming up with ideas? Well, how do we make those things happen now uh, so we don't lose momentum and that we can, you know, keep either keep folks engaged, but really just, you know, continue that uh, that momentum like we, you know, didn't really think much about before. Um, so finding better ways to be able to do that. In addition to that, a lot of things have changed too. That you know, things like how we, you know, how we address COVID and uh, or just you know infectious diseases within the space and how we make pe people feel comfortable with coming back to work and you know being in settings where uh, you know there's the potential, a possibility of of an infection or something along those lines. So we've got to think about that as well too. We we brought um, folks from HHS to speak on the panel to not just address the the you know, remote work aspect, but some of the COVID impact as well, too. Yeah. So, uh, so Cindy, having lived through the pandemic yourself as an innovation leader, what were some of the lessons learned that you've seen coming out of the digital world? I think particularly on the fiscal service front was the rate of speed. I mean, things that used to take longer, for example, the distribution of the economic impact payments, you know, one major success was centered around our program areas coming together um, and delivering those payments in three weeks. And we were able to use DevSecOps and harness a repeatable and, re and reusable cloud architecture pattern to actually do those things. Yeah, there is a, there's a sense of speed now that just is so you know, increased over the last couple of years. And I'll also say, as you both have touched on, you know, there's, I think there's a direct correlation between how well agencies were able to respond to the changes the pandemic brought with how much progress they've been making on, on doing IT modernization, on doing insertion of new technologies and, and putting digital solutions in place so they could adapt to that virtual only world. Cindy, you mentioned this earlier in the show. I wanted to come back to it for just a minute, but there, there's a, there's a really important important nexus between digital transformation work and customer experience priority. So you maybe talk a little bit more about how the digital work both enhances our ability to do better customer experience, but also how customer experience can help with the digital work itself. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, we are here to help and service the American public, which is our customers. And so the types of products and services that we're able to deliver um, effectively and efficiently that's seamless and modern and to their expectations is very important for us. Um, it's, you know, one of those things that I kind of said where, um, you know, the people who consume the data, the product or, or the service of a transformation are just as important as the people who create it. Because we can create something that is amazing, but if the end user does not see that as valuable, then there goes the you know the value or use of it. Yeah, I know customer experience is really important to you too, Todd. Do you want to pile on about the customer experience imperative? Oh, sure. I think that sometimes you know so I'm repeating myself here because we we did talk a little bit about this notion of you know making sure that we've got focus on the customer and delivering services, but I think sometimes when we apply technology, we, we sometimes step away from what it is we're trying to achieve here. And back to Cindy's point as well, too, um, thinking about how we deliver those services in a way that's going to be usable and, you know, and allow for self-service and ways for, for customers to be, to be able to engage and not be intimidated and sort of bear, reduce those risk barriers that we oftentimes see out there. 
I have to say one speaker I'm really excited about who's going to be at the Digital Transformation Summit is uh, Bakari Dale. He's uh, in from the Army, just an awesome guy. He's, uh, he's a senior leader in the Office of Business Transformation um, and also plays a role as a senior advisor within the U.S. Army. He's, uh, he's really a great guy, and I've heard him speak before, and, and the stuff he brings to the table, it's just it's it's amazing. It's tangible. It's it's out there, but it's still um, you know something that we can all learn from. His focus is really around data science and so forth too. But it has amazing amounts of uh, you know applicability across certainly across DoD and I would I would argue across you know any of the agencies who'll be in, in attendance. Very good. Todd Hager is the vice president of Macro Solutions. Cindy Good is the acting director of the Office of Financial Innovation and Transformation at the Bureau of the Fiscal Service. Both are outstanding digital transformation champions and the chairs for the upcoming Digital Transformation Summit. I'm Dave Wenergren, and you've been listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ActIAC on Federal News Network. Thanks for listening to Accelerating Government with ActIAC. You can listen to this episode and past episodes anytime in your podcast feed. Search for Accelerating Government on Podcast One, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts.